men should act like men, and light beer should taste like beer. Uh, light beer, please. Sure. Do you care how it tastes? Nah, I don't care how it tastes. Okay, well, when you start caring, put down your purse and I'll give you a Miller Lite. Continuing. I don't care, I just got one of these. Well, that's the second unmanly thing you've done today. <laughs> Whoa, oh. that's not a Miller Lite. Oh, light beer is light beer. Um, no, Miller Lite has more taste. I'll strike two. One more, I'm taking your man card. Happy Brews Day Tuesday. My name is Caroline King. And I'm Ashley Powers. Thank you for tuning in to Bitch Beer. Turn on the TV, look at a billboard, or open a magazine, and you'll find evidence supporting the notion that the world of beer is a boys club. In 2009, Gold Star Beer out of Israel released two print ads suggesting women didn't drink beer with a series of flowcharts. Wait, flowcharts? Yeah, girl, flowcharts. Check this shit out. Wait. (laughs) So. Oh my gosh. That is an actual goddamn flowchart. Very simple. The man has their beer. He sleeps with the woman. They go to bed. End of story. Oh my gosh. But the woman. (laughs) The woman doesn't drink beer. She gets this little martini, which no. Which has like a lime wedge or something. Well, nothing against martinis, but they're implying that women don't drink beer. She gets with the man. They go to bed. And one of three things happens. He breaks her heart and she eats ice cream. He oh, wow. sleeps with her and never calls her back, so <gasps> she eats ice cream. Or he's her knight in shining armor. They get married and they settle down with a beautiful family and a dog and a fish, which I guess they're implying is a bad thing. Um, wow. And their tagline is, thank God you're a man. Craft brews are inherently more open-minded. From the artsy labels, the risky flavors, the deep connection to the hops, malt, yeast, water, you're immediately messing with something that took a lot of thought and care. And the people who brew at a micro level are just as diverse as the beer. That includes women. So I thought of the idea for the podcast while trying to learn more about beer from several instances of asking quote-unquote beer guys, relatively simple questions about craft beer, and then being mansplained what a hop is for 17 fucking minutes after. (laughs) When researching on my own about different beers, it came super clear that about 90% of information, blogs, advertisement, etc., are mostly directed towards men. Not a huge deal, but ladies are into beer too. Yeah, gold star out of Israel. (laughs) I mean, but it can be really intimidating walking into your local craft beer store or even your local hotspot trying to decipher the menu and decide what craft beer to choose. This podcast is here to be a source of information, not just for women, but for anyone that feels like craft beer is too complex for them because I know the feeling. (laughs) Once I had the idea in mind, I immediately went to Ashley, a fellow lover of beer. She has a lot more knowledge of the, of uh, beer than I do. And as a super bonus, her and Ben, our sound engineer, have their own podcast, Let's Go to the Movies, um, which is super fun. You guys should listen to it. Thank you. Um, and that was the beginning of Bitch Beer. And <laughs> and the aforementioned Ashley, that's me. I'm, <laughs> uh, I am an actor, writer, comedian, and beer enthusiast. My introduction to beer was like a lot of young girls from the South. It's for man only. <laughs> And when I'd ask why, all the women would respond that, oh, honey, it's just gross anyway. (laughs) I was almost raised to dislike beer, even though I hadn't tried it, and I have no doubt that it was due to the social climate around beer. Once college hit, after a lot of convincing from my boyfriend, I started dabbling in craft beer, and the first one that left its mark... 
<sighs> was Two Hearted Ale by Bell's Brewery. Yum. At 7% ABV, <laughs> which is alcohol by volume, this American IPA brewed with 100% Centennial hops nestles perfectly between earthy and fruity with self-proclaimed notes of pine and grapefruit. Ooh. But it's descriptions like that that have kept the craft curious feeling alienated. <laughs> that was such a good, like, NPR voice. Thank that sounded you. so soothing. <laughs> I'm going to listen to that while I like meditate. <laughs> <laughs> what we want to do here at Bitch Beer is shine a light on the women who brew, market, distribute, serve, and love beer in the hopes that their stories will inspire the women and men who haven't taken the plunge. Craft beer doesn't have to be scary. Very rarely will you come across a gatekeeping hipster who asks questions like a troll who quizzes your nerd knowledge once he sees you in a Star Wars shirt. But why isn't it more openly female-friendly? Craft beer ads are rife with burly men lugging 50-pound bags of hops, and women make cameos as eye candy. To those on the outside, especially women, it can feel like a boys' club where no level of disguise will get us in. We hope by the end of this season you feel not only welcome, but unabashedly unafraid to drink craft. So who are we talking to this episode, Caroline? This episode, we're ringing in the season with certified beer server and owner of Atlanta Beer Boutique, Jen motherfucking price (laughs) the motherfucking is silent (laughs) jen is also the author of the chick's guide to beer seven simple rules for the beer novice and after meeting her and reading the book we could think of no one else to have on first we're going to talk about different types of beer why you should stop drinking beer out of the bottle or can seriously stop it and the history of beer which contrary to what you might think used to be a woman's world um, so tell the listeners a little bit about what this book is about. Sure. So, um, first of all, thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so You're excited welcome. to be here. Thank you for coming. I'm excited about what y'all are doing. Um, but the Chick's Guide to Beer, um, it, it really kind of evolved out of a series of events, um, that I hosted, um, through my company, Atlanta Beer Boutique. I just do tastings and pairings and educate folks about beer and, the awesomeness that it embodies. And um, after a lot of those events, a few of my friends would say, hey, you know, I wish we had some notes to take home. I wish I had something um, to kind of follow up with after after an event. So I started blogging about um, what I thought were some important takeaways from my events. And lo and behold, I ended up having enough blog posts to kind of outline a book and um, started just kind of thinking about that more seriously. A friend of mine talked to me about writing a book and I was like, I can't write a book. I don't I don't know how to write <laughs> stuff. And um, he was like, but you're a blogger. And I was like, but that's not real writing. But it kind of is. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's the kind of writing that I like to actually read. And so when I approached this book, I wanted to write it as if it were a book that I was reading for the first time. And what would I want to know? How long would I want it to be? How detailed would I want it to go? And so I broke it down into seven simple rules because I thought it'd be great to have kind of like a bite size um, approach to, to reading and to writing a book. And um, that's how the book was born, really out of these seven simple rules that I write for the beer novice. Um, but I think it's enough in this book for even those of us who are a little more experienced in beer could take something away from it too. Totally. And, and, and reading the introduction immediately resonated with like what we're trying to do with this awesome. beer yeah. it's just like you know and when, and when we met you I, I think we saw that kindred spirit in one another we want beer to be more accessible to women Absolutely. we want beer to not be intimidating to women and 
I think what you're doing is wonderful and everyone should read your book. (laughs) And also, especially with the book too, like each time, each page I would turn, I would have a question come up and then you would answer it right away. So I I mean, it's, it's really well done and well structured to the way that um, someone who, whether you know a lot about beer or whether you know nothing about beer, you can come to this book and really enjoy it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that comment. That's what I wanted to do was to just answer um, questions that I thought folks would have. So. Yay. Yeah. So you you talk about in in the beginning um your routine with your dad yeah. every day which was like the My most pops. adorable story <laughs> ever. <laughs> and so um a, a question that we like to ask is you know how old were you when you had your first beer and what was it? Well, you answered that <laughs> <laughs> underage and it was not a good one but whatever. So, so so were you like hooked from the beginning or was it like you know this is a thing I do with my dad and then later there was a specific beer you tried and you were like okay this is beer. Yeah. Um well I always liked the taste of it and that was always kind of weird um to my mom, <laughs> I was like, whatever. But, you know, shout out to her for not like stopping that ritual that that my dad and I had. And I think for her, it was just more of like, oh, she likes to do this with her pops and it's a cool thing for them to do. But I actually remember liking the taste of it. It always tasted kind of sweet to me. Mm-hmm. And I, my dad drank malty beers. He drank, you know, lagers, very, very light lagers, but lagers. And I don't know, I just kind of always liked it. But it, it was a while between that moment and when I tasted really, really good beer and was like, oh, you know, this is beer. It, that wasn't until probably my college years that I got um, hooked on on what I would call good good beer, quality beer. Nice. Yeah. And what beer was that, if you remember? Uh, the first beer I remember having that was a really good one was Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah. Solid yeah. classic. It's yep. really good. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually out in Colorado interning for the summers. I would go there every summer. And do an internship. Hated the internship. Loved Colorado. Loved Boulder. So I went every summer, and they paid me. So I was like, "Why wouldn't I go?" Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but um, and and so I was in school in Florida, and we just didn't have the same access mm-hmm. to like really good bold craft beer. So, um, yeah, that was my first time tasting like a real quality beer with depth and flavor, and yeah. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah. It was Sierra Nevada Pillow. And then like Sam Adams. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm doing something. <laughs> I thought I was onto something. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, one thing that I really like at the beginning of your book is you go into the history of beer, how it started. And because originally beer was a woman's job, which I actually yeah. didn't know this. Yeah. Um, and so the, and like the switch kind of started happening once it became more profitable. And then I guess men decided to take it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> we love you, but <laughs> I mean, that, I mean that's the case for a lot of things that happen. But yeah, specifically yeah. beer when it when when it came time to like being profitable, you know, the men had the money, the men had the land, so they were like, "We'll just take this over from here." And like, yep. we've come so far from that. Absolutely, absolutely, and just the fact that ladies were were brewing mm-hmm. and there were hymns written to ladies to brewers, and um, the goddess of brewing was a lady, and it's just mm-hmm. so awesome. You you know, that, that that's where it started is a very humble beginning. You know, as you know, beer started out as um, a way to purify water and to make uh, drinking water safe for families. And it was very much more prevalent in households then than it is now for everyone to enjoy beer. Of course, it was lower alcohol, but <laughs> um, but even kids drank it, you know, and people drank it as um, a meal for the day. As I said in the book, the Egyptians used it. Um, they rationed it every day to the folks who were building the, the pyramids. And um, it was fortified. It was nutritious. 
And uh, it was a drink for the people. And I, I think beer is coming back to being that, even though it's elevated a lot more and it's a lot more um, nuanced and complex, but it still is a, a brew, a drink for the people, which is one of the reasons why I think so many people can like it and love it and grasp onto it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so for the, the newbies out there listening, at its base level, what is the difference between an ale and a lager? Just the yeast, right? The yeast. Um, and I learned this the hard way trying to brew some beer for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever use a lager yeast for an ale because it doesn't turn out right. But um, yeah, so the, there are different um, yeast strains that are used for lagers and ales. And then the conditioning temperature, right? So lagers have to be conditioned at cooler temperatures for a longer period of time. Ales do better, warmer temperatures, shorter periods of time. I think one of the main reasons why you see lots of ales in southern states is just easier to get away with brewing an ale. It's hard to do a lager and to do it well in the south. Um, I've had a few, though. But, um, yeah, that's just the main difference, just the yeast and the, the time and temperature it needs to develop. Well, speaking of temperature, something that I learned from your book last night is how warm things like a Belgian quad and a Scotch yeah. ale can be served. Yeah. yeah. That was really interesting. Blew my yeah. mind. Try it. <laughs> I try it, right? I, I think a lot of folks don't pay attention to that. One of the very first tools I bought when I really got into beer was, it's actually for, made for wine, but it's called a wine collar. And it's a thermometer that you can, it looks like a cuff, like a bracelet you would wear, but it's a thermometer and you just slide it over a bottle and uh, kind of hold it close to it and it'll tell you the temperature of the wow. bottle that you're that you have that you've pulled out and you can use it also on bottles of beer and it'll fit on cans too but um it really made a huge difference in my enjoyment of beer and I didn't know either about the temperature and serving temps for certain beers but once I experienced it and tried it I was like oh my gosh this makes so much sense like with the darker heavier beers stouts porters Belgian quads like you mentioned should definitely be served at a cellar temperature and that's like 50 to 55 degrees wow um when I come home and I want one, I'll pour it and just let it do its thing while I, while I cook dinner. And then by the time I'm done, it's ready for me to drink it like 30 minutes later. It's normally at temperature. And then the lighter, crisper beers should definitely be served cooler. Um, it just makes a big difference, I think, in the enjoyment and the flavor profile in beer. Wow. That's being added to my Amazon wish list. Yes, <laughs> the second we're done. I just wrote it down. Color. I was like, oh. <laughs> I definitely need yeah. that. Yeah. Because that just... It, it opens up a whole nother world of, of tasting beer. So beer oh you may gosh. have had a million times when you have it at the perfect temperature could bring out flavors you didn't exactly. even mm -hmm. get or before. Or the wrong temperature. Like don't yeah. have a pale lager at 50 degrees. Mm. You've done it before probably on accident. Yeah. And just, <laughs> you get just throw it back and just do it because you don't want to waste it. But it is disgusting. You get that skunk yeah. beer. Yeah, yeah. It's not supposed yeah. to be served at that temp, but it's for a reason. Yeah. Nice. And so um, when was the first time you homebrewed? Um, probably. Hmm. Seven years ago, maybe eight years ago with my best friend's brother, his name is Colin, and he um, got really heavy into homebrewing. And um, I would brew with him or at least go supervise because I found out very quickly that I'm not good at it. I'm not um, <laughs> as attentive as you need to be. Colin has notebooks full of just notes and his... Um, you know, his findings from brewing beer and, and he, he was way more into it than I was, but it was probably seven or eight years ago. And that was the first one that we did. And we used a lager yeast for an ale and it, <laughs> it might've turned out at 3%, maybe. And it was oh, disgusting. Gosh. <laughs> it was a cream ale that never was. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> It was horrible. <laughs> but, but it takes trial and error for things like yeah, that. Yeah, it does. It does. And one of the reasons that I um that I got wanted to try this because I just appreciate how much work must go into crafting a beer. 
especially the good craft beers that we have now, right? Because they are just so layered and so, um, I mean, the the work that they must take to keep trying and trying and perfecting recipes. I can't imagine yeah. what goes into it and the beauty that comes out of it, you know, with the color and the clarity and even the aromas are just, it fascinates me. So I thought it'd be fun to do. And um, it still is fun to me. I just suck at it. <laughs> I just suck. <laughs> I won't give it up, though. Um, one of the things that I plan to do with uh, the shop that I'm opening is to have a home brewing incubator there. It'll have a, I'll have That'd a small so cool. commercial kitchen. I know, right? Um, a small commercial kitchen where folks can come and um, just rent out the space if they wanted to or learn from a home brewer on a Saturday and oh, nice. really learn like the basics of brewing. I think it would take away a lot of fear and like the initial investment, right? That it yeah. costs to like start up a system on your own and invest and find out that you're not good at it and leave a big huge carboy in the corner that you never use anymore or a spectrometer that you don't need. Yep. So I thought it'd be neat to kind of supply that I'm um, on the front end for people and folks like me who I, I live in a tiny space. I have a condo in East Atlanta and it's maybe 700 square feet. I don't have the space to, I mean, I could brew, but where am I going to put those bottles? And oh, it's just, yeah. it's too cumbersome. So I thought it'd be nice to have an open space and a, you know, a space free of um, all those restrictions and who's, you know, I didn't want my house smelling like malted grain. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff like that for weeks. <laughs> it's and very weeks. pungent. Yeah. And permeates. It, can, it permeates. <laughs> but if you like, if you have a, a space like yours, you have enough room and, you know, yeah. you kind of do your thing. That's why I picked her place to yeah. homebrew. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. This feels like a homebrew house. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We've yeah. got my, um, uh, I have a studio in the basement where I record. Um, but yeah, we use that as our brew fermenting area <laughs> because you need an area yeah. you need like your own little studio your yeah. own little space right, so it's out of the way so you're not accidentally giving it too much light and killing exactly. it so it doesn't spill and break or something exactly it's out of the way exactly and also it, because it's out of the way you get less anxious about it because it's uh -huh. like out of sight out of mind thing like set a reminder <laughs> for when it's ready but it can just be there and do its own thing right right you aren't like spoiling it right <laughs> so you're on your way to opening a shop but you're also on your I way am. to becoming a cicerone right so can you Yay. tell us what what in its simplest definition is a cicerone it's a beer expert. Um, it's the equivalent of a sommelier in wine. Mm -hmm. So there are levels, it's levels to this thing, right? So it's, um, there are different levels of expertise that you can achieve. Um, there are four in the Cicerone um, world. I've achieved the first level. Um, the second and third and fourth get exponentially more difficult. The fourth, it's like a handful of people, very few women who are, um, the, a master Cicerone. Um, but I'm interested in at least trying to achieve the second level. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on it. And um, I have a few friends. There are a few study groups around Atlanta, if folks are interested, of people kind of working on it together. Oh, wow. Um, it helps. It helps. The first level wasn't that difficult. I think anyone who loves beer should at least try it and see what happens. But it gets a little more difficult with taste tests and trying to detect off flavors and off um, aromas and figuring out, you know, what hops are used. And it just gets more and more difficult. But for geeks like us, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> duh, I'm already doing this anyway. So that's awesome. Yeah. What's a good resource for people to use to look up a group in their area for? Um, well, I, I normally do it under um, Atlanta Girls Pine Out. Um, oh, nice. So oh, Girls I love Pine this Out cool. nationally has, you know, they have chapters in almost every state and a couple per state and, you know, a couple different cities. Girls Pine Out in Atlanta um, offers a few classes. Cicerone, I think it may be .org or .com is another resource that folks could go to. Um, but yeah, those, they're um, the two that I know that do, that do 
um, sort of classes and stuff. But the uh, Girls Pine Out, Atlanta Girls Pine Out group does, at least they were doing them on a pretty regular basis. That's yeah, awesome. That's yeah, great. it's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And it's fun to be, and it's not always ladies in the classes, although it's a, a ladies group, but there are a couple guys that come just because, you know, learning is learning no matter right. who you are. And, yeah. it, and it's fun. It's, yeah, it's fun to fun. learn about this kind of stuff. So I've, I've seen a documentary on sommeliers, but is it is it yeah. the equivalent of like, once you really get down to it, you've got the, the, the note cards of like, okay, this means this, and this is from this place, and this smell means, is it is it equivalent yeah, to that? Ugh. It is. It is. There are folks who can tell, just like in the wine world, they can tell um, what hops are in a beer, and if they are West Coast hops, or if they were uh, grown in the northwest versus grown in England. Like people can really like break it down, and wow. it's kind of crazy. I and it really, I think the one thing that I like about studying for it the most is it really does help you kind of develop your palate, and that's kind of what I'm in it for. Mm-hmm. I am always just trying to expand the flavors that my tongue can detect. Right, wow. you do that by drinking a lot of beer and eating a lot of food and kind it. of pairing them and just kind of freak. I know I love all of those love things. <laughs> it's like a drawing. problem. It's a problem. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I mean, I think just tasting a lot of beers and taking notes and being diligent about it. And I mean, I have tons and tons of note cards. It's kind of ridiculous, but that I make myself, but just kind of determining um, what your palate can detect that by itself is like just breathtaking to me. And, and I opening my nose is not as strong as my palate though. Like I have a very, a harder time detecting aromas and picking apart aromas than I do taste for some reason. But that again, it's like any other muscle and it's actually more of like a memory association with, with aromas. Um, But just, smelling and actually trying you know and trying to associate it with things that you smell every day or in your life or that you remember smelling in your past but do you want to talk about the the styles yeah so one thing that i do love about your book uh, well one of the hundreds of things i love about your book um <laughs> so, so you go into all the different styles of beer and i think it would be fun if we could kind of go over like probably like the five most popular because okay. i don't want to give your book away i want people to go out and buy it because yeah, it's awesome yeah man <laughs> You can't get it. We're not giving all the secrets away. Yeah. I want to give away the farm. Or what does my mom say? Who would buy the cow if you get the milk for free? Right? right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the IPA is this country's beer right now. It is becoming it, right? It's like, yeah, it's a, it's Everybody so American, Everybody has right? an IPA. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, oddly enough, it was, uh, um, as British beer, of course. Right. You know, started, it. um, as most things do in, in the beer world. Um, but we've just kind of made it our own. If you compare the two styles, a more British IPA and American IPA, they're totally different. Um, the Brits keep things a little more mild. Um, but the American style is super hoppy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, IPAs are uh, known as uh, the hoppy beers and they're called India Pale Ales for a couple of reasons. There are a couple of myths about kind of why they're so hoppy and, and that, but um, the color is normally pale to a golden uh, deep golden color. Um, and I love IPAs for the aroma. I think with they a do lot of, really good. right. I think yeah. a lot of, especially West coast, um, beers are doing are, I mean, they dry hop them so that you get more aroma than, than the acids from, and, and bitterness that result from, um, actually boiling, um, hops, but the aromas that you get from IPAs are just lovely. Um, mm-hmm. and you can compare them to bouquets of flowers or to bowls of fruit or even to like pine straw or, or like rosemary, kind of more of a herbal and piney, piney note. But, um, I love them. I think that they, uh, as you said, you, there's, I think it's becoming America's beer. 
Yeah. Right. Like everyone has a signature IPA. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love. So, like I said before, I love beer and food together. Um, And IPAs are ones that I normally drink if I'm having like a a coconut kind of curry dish. I think it balances it out so well. I I love green curry. I love green curry. I like a mild green curry, though. Mm -hmm. But I like it to be heavy and coconut. And I think IPAs are good at kind of cutting through some of that richness, balancing out. If you're not into a super hoppy IPA, it's a good way to kind of balance it out with your food. But um. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite ones. It's um, depending on uh, where it's from, I think maybe up to about 7% is your typical regular IPA. Bitterness ranges between 40 and 70 on a scale of 100. And if I were serving it, I would do it in a tulip or just a regular old nonic pint glass. Fancy. Yeah. And so there are a lot. Not a red solo cup. I mean, (laughs) let me say, let me back up. Any any beer poured is the perfect beer, right? Um, Just take it out the can or the bottle. That's my only rule for anyone. I I mean, I'll drink beer out of a mug if I don't have a (laughs) clean glass. I'm not judging. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, um, the the a person who doesn't drink beer frequently a lot of them shy away from IPAs yeah. um shout out to my mom because <laughs> they're just they're way too hoppy the second you like all the the front notes but then the second it gets to that bitterness they're out yeah so what is a good IPA for people who are trying to get into it but can't quite get over the bitterness what's a good one for yeah. them to start with that's a good point because they can be a little bit aggressive right right I yeah. think so um a I training would, wheel IPA <laughs> yeah I think anything that that has a tropical sort of uh, hop basis. So Ooh. one of the very popular ones, it was very popular a few years ago. I don't know if it is anymore, but Tropicalia, I think oh, was I like, it was a gateway IPA for so many people. My sister is probably a lot like your mom. My sister loves um, stouts. She's more of a coffee. She loves coffee anyway. Mm-hmm. So anything that tastes like coffee or dark chocolate is her go-to kind of beer. That's her jam. But she would drink a Tropicalia any day and I was so I was so surprised that she even like tried it she loves the way IPA smell every time but I always make her try it and she's always like see I told you I didn't like this beer but Tropicalia was the probably I think a good gateway um Scofflaw makes amazing IPAs mm-hmm. but they may be a little bit too hoppy right. for some people but I think that's a good kind of gateway yeah, and as, it's Georgia brewed. Yes. Yeah. As someone who's a, a hop head, it, sometimes I have to take a step back and go like, mm-hmm. this isn't hoppy at all. And then I think yeah. like, but I've had so many like super hoppy beers. I have to take a step back and go like, no, I guess like subjectively that is pretty it can, hoppy. Yeah. We get kind of probably numb to it or kind of our, our senses get maybe get a little dull to it. Uh, one of the things that's in my book, though, is a whole kind of spread about hops and I talk about the different types of hops but if you just want to stay around something that's tropical and fruity as a gateway and nowadays on cans and in pubs they always kind of describe some of the notes of beers which I love that folks are doing now Mm -hmm. so I would just I would not want to discourage folks who aren't into hoppy beers into trying them but if you just want to you know ask your bartender or your favorite bottle shop um chick or guy to steer you into the direction of one that's not so hoppy um or not so pioneer resinous to kind of give you one that's a little more fruity and i think that'd be a good place to start cool cool yeah and so the whip beer yeah man that was my f- so once i really started getting into beer that's all i used to drink was just some kind of um uh wit unfiltered cloudy yeah. wheat kind of beer i was just so heavy into them um now this i think is a good gateway beer for folks who just don't like beer period or who don't think they like beer that's a good point. it's a really good easy entry into into drinking beer they're very um they're very low on the hoppy side um almost not bitter at all um to me almost a little sweet and um 
I like them because um, they're light. I think they're easy. Um, you said something earlier, Ashley, today that it's crushable. Yes. <laughs> yep. But you can you can throw back a few of these um, as a style. It was started in Belgium. Um, and it's one of those ones that's really like frothy and carbonation is super high, real delicate beer. Um, I think it's good um, with brunch. It's a very good morning Yum. beer. It's good with like eggs or lighter foods like salads and uh, seafood. Nice. Um, but it's one of my favorite ones, too. Um, I haven't had a good one lately, but um, I don't know. I think it's it's a very, like I said, just a good gateway into beer kind of kind of drink. Um, it has a special glass. Um, because it is normally pours very, very frothy. It's a Weizen glass. You've probably seen them before at the mm-hmm. bar. It's a real tall one. It looks like it's way too big to have a can of beer in it. Yeah. But lo and behold, it fills it up. And that's because <laughs> of the head on that beer. And it really, uh, I think uh, we talk about this in the book, but foam really helps to enhance your beer drinking experience. It kind of delivers um, aromas very close into your nose as you're drinking. Like I said earlier, my nose is not the best at detecting things. So I really do... Um, um, I think uh, appreciate having the proper glassware for a beer because it really does kind of, um, I think, accompany or or enhance your beer drinking experience. So on nice. the polar opposite end of that would be the stout, which you said your mm-hmm. sister yeah. really likes. She loves a good stout. Yeah, um, loves a good stout. And and I I was reading your your notes in the book about the stout, and I, I realized like how delicate stouts are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it hit me, like, everybody's doing imperial stouts these yeah. days. Everything yeah. is so boozy, high ABV. Yeah. I've not had a good, like, smooth stout lately. Man, the uh, the Irish do it best. I don't care mm-hmm. what anyone says. Mm-hmm. Guinness is, I think, still the best stout out there. Um, or Murphy's. If you, yeah, if, yeah, or Murphy's. If you just want a, a straight-up stout, you know, like something that doesn't have... Um, extra stuff added to it right yeah i don't mind a milk stout i I mean i love stouts period but you're right it is a very delicate um straight style right and and it's not too fancy um the bitterness you get from it they're actually on the hoppy end people don't really recognize that but i think that's masked by sort of the roasty flavor you get from it you may not um be able to detect the difference between the two because that that hard um toast that they do on the malts really brings out that bitter note that you get from like a good cup of coffee or a very dark chocolate. Um, but they are one of those beers that should be served at a higher temperature, 50 to 55 degrees at cellar temperature. They, uh, the change in the flavor is tremendous when you have one at the appropriate temperature versus super, super cold. Um, and they are delicate. And when you have them at the right temperature, you can pick up on the coffee, on the chocolate, and even sometimes vanilla or toffee you'll get in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Noted. I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm going to have one at the proper temperature. <laughs> do it. Do it. What are some of your um, favorite stouts that are like kind of close by or that you can even find at like local craft store? Mm. Okay. Craft so beer Brooklyn store. has one called Black Ops. Ooh. And it's limited release. You can't get it, get it all the time. I think I you can only get it normally in the fall, I believe. Brooklyn Brewery up in Brooklyn, New York, obviously, nice. or in that area, um, I think does a fantastic one. I don't know if it's Imperial or not, Ashley, but it is one of my favorite um, sort of interpretations of a stout. It's It may be Imperial because if I remember correctly, it's super boozy, but it um, it it mel- it's mellowed out by, I think, a lot of the, um, it has like almost like a vanilla essence to it to me which i think mellows out a lot of the nice the high alcohol in it it's not too hot you know some beers are kind of 
I, I call boozy kind of hot, yeah, just yeah. like it tastes like a a cordial or like a drink you should be drinking out of a snifter yeah. Yeah. or something, right? But um, yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. Nice. But since yeah. this is an introduction episode, I don't want to like alienate anybody. What when I when we say imperial? Yes. What does that mean? Big. Yeah, just think of it as anything big and like amped up, right? So that the ABV or alcohol by volume is going to be a little higher. Mm-hmm. Um, the hops will probably be higher if it's an IPA. Um, just I, I think it's just it describes a bigger version of the base style to be to put it simply. And then the next beer that we're going into is sour ales. Yay! And I think that. Um, Sours are also probably one of a good gateway beer. Um, I used to do an event called Beer Versus Wine with a lady who owned a wine shop. How cool! Um, yeah, I love um, that. And we would we would pair head to head a beer and a wine. Whoa! And right, I <laughs> like. A, I'm so excited. Good that one. Yeah. That was a good ticket. <laughs> um, but we would pair them head to head, and our goal was to bring wine drinkers over to beer and beer drinkers over to wine by trying to. F- find sort of comparable styles and it wasn't always easy because they are very different but some things are very similar um and so this was one of those beers that a lot of people who drank wine but wanted to try beer really really liked because um they're crisp and light and um not hoppy at all Mm -hmm. and uh, normally just a very beautiful balance of just the right amount of maltiness but super super tartness and um I think Atlanta, as you know, Orpheus does some of the best, I think, sours that I've ever had in my life. And they have just taken that style and have perfected it. They do Wandering um, Blues, right? Maybe. I don't know. I Wandering don't know Blues? I think so. I yeah, I, I tried it let's last Google year. It. Yeah, <laughs> let's Google it. Because I, I, I remember them getting it, it at Smyrna. It might have been a limited release one that they did. I think it was. Because yeah. I remember, because um, I also work at Mustin Turner's. and um, Awesome. They were saying how Wandering Blues were like, oh, I got my hands on some of it. And yeah. oh, man. Yeah. Yes. It is. It is Orpheus. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Wandering Blues. I it's delicious. Find that. I wonder it's if so it's just good. limited. Yeah. Uh, we they did it last year. I hope they do. It's hope like a summer. Okay. Yeah, they, please bring it back. Yeah. Orpheus, <laughs> if you're listening, bring it back. Yeah. Ooh, what a beautiful can too. We were talking about this earlier. Their can art is always beautiful. Banging. Because always. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Look how pretty that is. Thank goodness. Yeah. I, oh, I have yeah, to try that one. Their um, Serpent Bite is my favorite one. Yeah. I just had Serpent Bite recently. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's amazing. And it took to me, me, it took me a second because obviously Serpent Bite in the snake and you think like Adam and Eve, but I got more orange than apple when I had that. Uh, yeah. I, I did too. That yeah. was, that's so funny you mentioned that. It's very that, yeah. citrusy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's awesome. Sours are one of the last <laughs> styles that I got into. I don't know what it was. It was just like so different than anything I've yeah. experienced that it, it was almost like a shock to the system so I had to get myself used to it and now they're like one of my favorites I super, love them super good there's another one I like Three Taverns um, Rapturous they're raspberry oh, I had that one so yet raspberry I love raspberry sour <gasps> I love raspberries. so it's perfect and that's so I do beer cocktails as well because who doesn't need more alcohol on top of alcohol kind <laughs> <laughs> of ridiculous when I say it out loud but um, sours I think make a very good like cocktail base mm. if you're doing a beer cocktail or some kind of beer mosa or Ooh, some spit kind me, of spit me a recipe right now. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, okay. One of my favorites. Pressure. <laughs> I do. So I did Rapturous with, um, I think it's really good with rum. Ooh. <gasps> rum, I think, balances out some of the tartness. Ooh. And then a friend of mine yeah. makes a simple syrup because she's like, her name is Michelle. She's a, a cocktail aficionado. Um, but she always makes simple syrup. So she made like a raspberry simple syrup. Oh, wow. To just drizzle on top. And we added a bay leaf to it or basil leaf, I'm sorry, Ooh. to it to kind of bring a little herb note to it. It was fantastic. That sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. I like beer 
in cocktails because in my opinion, you can use it in any place that you would normally use like club soda or sometimes even bitters, right? Because like that sour, the sour beer with that basil just brought like a, a really different kind of herbal twist that you would expect in a cocktail. I need to look into yeah. that more because when I think of a beer cocktail, I think of going to a cheap mass produced Mexican <laughs> restaurant with a frozen <laughs> shitty margarita <laughs> and a Corona, and a corona, and a corona just corona like shoved in the it. top. Absolutely. I don't think of like good craft Absolutely. beer uh, cocktails. Yeah, I yeah. I did a whole a whole event about, around beer cocktails. I should bring that back. So, so what's a good sour for somebody who's like, like, you know what? I'm feeling adventurous today. I'm going to try a sour. Mm. One of the two I, I mentioned, I think uh, out of the two that I mentioned, I would probably go with the Three Taverns raspberry one, though, because it's a little more mild. That uh, Serpent Bite, it has a bite. It really does. And mm-hmm. so if you're not into like super, super tartness, that might be the one. But I like Three Taverns rapturous a lot. Great. Yeah. And then, oh, the last one, Belgians. Oh, Belgians. where do we begin? I right? know. Yum. Belgians have created their own style. They don't really fit into any category. Um, and they break all the rules when it comes to like the um, Rheinheitsgebot, which is like the German beer law, the purity law, which says that beer can only be these three things, can only have these ingredients in it. And the Belgians are like, forget it. We can do whatever we want to do. <laughs> and they have, and people totally respect them for it. But the Belgian beers... Um, starting with um, the doubles and the triples and then the quads, um, I think, in my opinion, are very different. And people, I think, initially would think that they um, that the double and the triple and the quad may mean some kind of mathematical equation between <laughs> between the three, you know, the three different styles and, and, and what that actually means. But it, there is no correlation. There used to be, I think, back in the day, used to be some kind of correlation between the amount of sugar that was added to them. Um, but all Belgian beers are um, very high in, in the sugar content and they they use their own candy sugar that they use for oh, wow. their chocolate and for their candy that they make there. Belgian candy sugar um, creates almost kind of, especially in the quad, creates like this burnt toffee kind of note to it yeah but they add sugar um and it ends up ramping up the abv because sugar turns into alcohol it's like the most important part of any beer um recipe in any brewer but with the doubles you'll get um um almost like this sort of um almost like a goldenish honey color to them um the triples are also called golden ales and they are um in my opinion a little more spicy belgian beers also so let me just back up they all use a belgian yeast strain which also makes them belgian and those particular yeasts um give off different um notes in the in the flavors and aromas particularly very heavy on spice so belgian beers depending on the style will be heavy in like the warm spices like nutmeg coriander um even some cinnamon you may be able to pick up but um yeah you'll get sweetness from all three um and the quad is my favorite one It is the heavier of them um one of the ones that we said earlier should be served at a, a more room temperature kind of temperature and um in my opinion um is the best one to actually age it ages very well and you'll see lots of um barrel aged beers done uh, with the quad style because it's heavy enough to kind of stand up to a bourbon barrel or to to kind of take on the um the wood flavor that you'll get from barrel aging a beer and um I just think it's just a good compliment because it's actually the sweetest of the of the three and the the more hoppy but again you don't detect that because um the way that the Belgians just have crafted such a perfect kind of style yeah yeah that's awesome. And just to briefly hop back to the sour, I had no idea until I read your book that they can also be served in in a stemmed glass. Yeah, yeah. Never done that before. Yeah, do it. It's fancy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's already so like 
aromatic mm-hmm. and, and bubbly that it being in something stemmed is absolutely a great absolutely idea. and you don't want it to warm up so the purpose of a stem really is to keep your hand off of the glass mm. and to keep it it's very thin right but to keep your hand from warming up the beer sours should be very very cold they're gross when they're warm mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't turn out yeah. good yeah <laughs> but mm. yeah they start tasting like those warhead candies they do. yeah, Ew, <laughs> yeah like so vinegar right. yeah yeah they get kind of gross yeah yeah, but Belgians should always be served in a tulip. And there's a couple different styles of tulips, but at least in a tulip um, or some kind of chalice, which is like a goblet style style uh, glass that the monks used yeah. back in the day. Well, I have an entire cabinet full of beer glasses um, from all the different breweries. And I was pleased to read that I passed your glassware test about Yay. them being in a place. And, you know, like <laughs> if you're going to serve them right side up, rinse them out before you serve yeah. anything. You know, yeah. have have a padded mat if you're going to put them upside down. Absolutely. I failed. <laughs> <laughs> but also I have way too many. Like who has an entire cabinet oh, to just beer my glasses? My gosh, I have too many. I had to give away a lot of them. I give away as Christmas gifts. I'll normally. That's a good idea. I do. And I'll get like, like say for instance, this is a sweet water glass that I'm drinking out of. I'll mm-hmm. buy like a six pack and, and put six because I had had too many. Yeah. I give away six glasses to match the style or at least one and like a nice bottle. Um, That's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. I'm going to start doing that. Hey, friends, if you start getting glasses from me, they were mine. (laughs) I'm telling on myself right now. (laughs) That means they were loved, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, So this was our favorite part of the book. Okay. Uh, How beer girls swallow. Yep. Uh, All good beer girls swallow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I got some. So when I wrote this book, I had a few friends to be like pre-readers, test readers. Mm -hmm. And that that rule had mixed reviews. (laughs) Um, I loved it. But I decided to just keep it in there because it's my book. It's my book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my book. Yeah. But and, and I say that because um, and that's about tasting, proper tasting of yes. beer. And uh, for a lot of folks who um, are very familiar with the way that wine tastings go or should go, um, you're always supposed to spit it out. And it, that doesn't work in beer tasting because of a few things. Um, first of all, it just sounds like a waste of of good beer to me and I won't have it. I <laughs> yes. won't have that in my yeah. house, my house, my rules, but also just because of the way that our palates are set up, the way our tongues are set up, the tongue map is set up. Um, it just, it, it makes sense to swallow it. And, um, the back of your tongue is where you pick up on a lot of flavors. I think that you may not get if you were to spit or pour the beer out. And, um, I don't know, just a part of tasting. Part of proper tasting is to swallow it. That's good to yeah. know. Yeah. And some people like to breathe out of their nose when they swallow or breathe air into their mouth as they swallow. It kind of helps to express the beer even more. So it's a part That's of awesome. proper tasting, folks. Swallow there we it. Go. Get your minds out of the gutter. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so can you tell us what a proper beer pour looks like because it's actually very impressive skill to have people are impressed when you go to a party and you're like would you like a beer and you pour it properly and they're like hey it's very cool when you learn to do that and it's not good yeah 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 so um if you get a beer from someone that doesn't have any foam on it they did it wrong basically so every good pour has about an inch on it but you start with um the glass and this is going to sound real geeky but at a 45 degree angle (laughs) (laughs) and you pour the beer down the side of the glass until it gets about halfway full and then you turn the glass upright and pour down the middle of the glass and just keep pouring and at a steady rate it's more about the rate of speed than anything else or the rate of the pour speed of the pour rate of speed whatever 
something like that makes sense it just yeah how fast you pour it is what i'm trying to say but that's um it really determines it and then like your your glass should not be ice cold I know a lot of folks uh, store their glasses in the freezer, which you shouldn't do for a couple of reasons. But um, a cold glass will make a beer foam up more than it actually needs to. So a room temperature glass is perfect um, and a clean, a beer clean glass. So that's a glass that um, if you've used it, just give it a little quick rinse um, and go ahead and pour. Yeah. Yeah. Now, different styles are poured differently, but most beers are poured that way. Um, stouts are supposed to be poured right down the center of the glass. I don't know if you've seen this, seen some videos of people, they'll, um, cap their beer with a glass and then just turn it over and pull the bottle out and just let it pour right down the middle. Stouts, um, don't bubble as much, don't foam as much, but it creates, it's a good way to create, it creates like a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So, um, kind of mimics like a nitro pour and creates a different kind of bubble profile for them. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's I've really watched cool. the weirdest things on YouTube <laughs> about like pouring beer and <laughs> yeah. so lame. Well, and, and, and pouring, so pouring lame. A, a draft of Guinness has its own like it thing too. Does. You pull it forward and then once it gets to the harp, you push it backwards because yeah. it releases a different kind of gas. It's it a does. whole thing. It's I got a, a certificate from Ireland. So. Yay. It's a whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I actually do remember that because I worked at a pub in the UK. And yeah, we had to like, put, they had like the, for the stouts, yeah, it was the same thing. You did that and then pulled it back. Mm-hmm. And then for the other ones, they had like the whole hand pump mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the, I'm doing this motion that no nobody can see. So I just, <laughs> it's weird. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just the science of how like the air can go in yeah. there. It, it's really interesting how it can affect the flavor. It can. And like I said earlier, every beer needs to be poured. It just, it's, you know, how long has it been in that can or that bottle? Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, just like a good red wine, it needs to have a moment to like, breathe. You know, yeah, like breathe and shake it off. Yeah, I'm nice. glad you brought that up because that was the thing that like resonated with me the most in the book was like, I don't think about I don't think about how long that beer's been on the shelf. Mm-hmm, I I immediately think about my relationship to it the moment I see it, exactly. not how long it's yeah. it's been and yeah. and pouring it. You're like like you say in your book, it, it, it wakes it, it wakes up. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reinvigorates it. Yeah. So yeah. if somebody hands you just a can. Ask them for a glass. Always ask you can for a glass. be frou It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you will enjoy your beer more. Yep. Just guarantee. Ask, say please, and tip your server very well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so overall, what has your experience been as a woman in beer? Like positive uh, adversity with some of these neck beards. <laughs> you know what? I, I mean, I would say just in general, the beer community has just been very welcoming and open and just super, super friendly. Um, I always say beer people are good people. And I think that's the truth. Um, I've not had a super, a super tough time. I think maybe initially when I first started out, um, I get things like over explained to me and mansplained. Yeah. Mansplained (laughs) to me. Um, but it didn't take long. I think for, I mean, I'm a regular at a few places in East Atlanta. It didn't take long for folks to just kind of recognize it. Oh, shoot, this is the girl that knows a lot about beer. So I don't mm-hmm. have to, you know, I don't have to tiptoe or don't have to over explain things to her. But I think in general, I, I've been received very well. And it's just awesome what's happening in Atlanta and a lot of places, really the world um, with women, I think, coming to the forefront and, and being, I think, feeling empowered to um, to be experts and to say that we're experts. Um, it took me a minute to, I don't even call myself that, but it took me a minute to kind of say, you know what? I have something to say about beer. I like it. And I, I have a voice and I can, 
I can express that. It's totally okay, you know, and not being, um, not second guessing myself about the things that I know. And I think being very diligent to learn things that I don't know. Um, but just in general, um, I think I've been, I've had a great experience in, in Atlanta with um, just kind of finding my own way on, in the beer scene and meeting good people and meeting awesome ladies. And, um, but yeah, just to be specific, specific i'm drinking beer guys <laughs> but to be um specific about about women in beer i think that um i think atlanta is really on the forefront of kind of pushing some ladies into the limelight who are doing some awesome things yeah yeah i agree with you yeah big time i'm just floored by how many women are involved in beer here in yeah. atlanta it's been amazing i love it here yeah it has <laughs> been i was happy to meet y'all at the chicks get lit event at that was second so Self. much fun man it was only the second one i've done the first one we did at abby of the holy goats and it was um i love that place i love kathy and asia and everyone who works there but um the second one just blew my mind I didn't expect that many ladies to come and to just so listen yeah i'm so glad y'all came too and listen to um you know, Zuri Coleman, who's the, one of the brewers there at, at Second Self to just talk about her journey in beer and just drink beer among um, awesome ladies and and some cool guys who were there too yep. as well. There were a couple uh, guys that were like guys. loud talking that I was given the eye to. I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All they need is the eye sometimes. Just got to give them that eye. Over here, yeah. Man. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fun time though. It's that was so time. much fun meeting you too, because like we went over to your book and and then we went over to our table and we were, all of us were like, oh my gosh, it was like a middle school dance. Like, do we go up to her? Like, what do we say? Oh my gosh! Or, no, you go. No, you go. Oh my gosh! Y'all it was so, so much cute. fun. <laughs> I'm glad to have met y'all. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. what is uh, what is your favorite beer you're drinking right now? The beer I'm drinking right now is always my favorite. Um, <laughs> I like love a, that like answer. Like a mom, like I can't even. Do you need like... another one? You're empty right now, and I feel like a horrible oh my hostess. Gosh. So what was that I just had? The Orpheus dichotomy. Dichotomy. There is that. Was that a pale, pale a dry unfiltered. hop pale yeah. ale? Oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, I love that beer actually. Um, my favorite right now. Hmm. That's a really, really good question. I just, so I got into this Rosh beer phase, which is like a smoked beer, um, which are very hard to find. Um, and I had one by Moody Tongue very recently. They are from Chicago, the oh, Chicago, Chicago area. And it's a sp- Applewood smoked beer. Mm. And it's not as smoky as um, the very German types of smoked beers which are super super smoky like they taste like you are drinking a barbecue pit yeah but this one was just enough smoke on it and a little bit of sweetness to it um fantastic with food um kind of weird by itself but not off-putting um so that's actually one of my favorites right now uh i didn't think that that'd be a a, everyday drinking beer but i've been drinking it almost every day and i like it (laughs) i'll check that one out for sure yeah it's a good one you um Mm. you mentioned briefly about the shop and yeah so excited for you i am too so if there were no restraints (laughs) no like no money no permits no anything to have to worry about what would your perfect beer shop look like oh gosh okay you walk into the door right (laughs) tell me um so the atlanta beer boutique is is a retail space as well as a um kind of fun space um but the retail space would have at least 800 different 
um, beers. I want to really focus on local. I love Georgia beer. I love what's happening here. I also love what's happening in Alabama, Mm -hmm. in Florida, the Carolinas and Tennessee and Mississippi as well. Some cool things happening there. So it would uh, have a huge local section, huge local section of bottles, cans, bombers, all different sizes. Um, It will have a small, but very um, well-appointed gourmet market. So I'd love to have um, meats and cheeses from some local butchers and local cheesemakers. I would love to feature um, spice blends and um, um, condiments and things that people could could take home with them um, to pair perfectly with the beer they bought that day and create their own at-home beer and food experience. Um, So if you are cooking salmon that night, then I would probably have the perfect spice blend for you to use with this awesome Saison that I think would go well with it. So I really want to just kind of um, promote kind of a more holistic approach to enjoying beer. Um, The staff there will be the smartest folks in the beer biz, um, like many clones of us. Nice. (laughs) But also folks who are just passionate and love beer. Um, Customer service, I think, goes so far. Big time. Um, when you are new to beer and you walk into a shop that has 800 different styles of beer, what do you do? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you're new, it's, it's scary. That's how I feel when I walk into a wine shop. Yep. It really, it throws me off and I yeah. don't know what to do. I buy it by the label. I'm like, well, this looks cute. Yep. Same. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so customer service, I think will be a super, super important part of it. Um, I want people to feel like they're in a boutique and they're being very well taken care of and that people know them. And so one of the other things I want to do is to create sort of a tasting profile of my customers. Um, Haven't figured out the technology behind this yet, but hopefully you'd be able to come into the shop, kind of check in, swipe in. Um, Your previous purchases will come up um, to our our um, beer consultant or our, our person Ooh. who's on staff there. And they'll say, oh, so I saw last time you had this. I have something along those lines to offer you this time you're here. You know, how'd you like it? And kind of get your, to start building a profile on things that you like and don't like so that we can know you as as shop owners, as as consultants to you and, and give you what you want. And if you're afraid and timid, then I think a beer shop is a great place to do kind of an initial tasting. Um, I call them beer fittings. I do that with my friends now, <laughs> kind of like, you know, when you go into a, a shop and you're a boutique and you're trying to find the perfect pair of jeans and you have to try on 10 pair of jeans mm-hmm. to find the three that you really like. I think the same is true for beer, right? So you just got to try enough of them. But we'd love to give you your own beer consultation, your own beer fitting to find the beers that fit for your style and what you're drinking today and what you're so into. Cool. Yeah. So the customer service is going to be huge there. Um, and then next door is kind of like our play space. I want to keep them uh, adjacent to each other, but maybe um, not as a free flowing kind of situation. You know how Hop City, for yep. example, yeah. has their beer shop and then their growler space where you can go and have beer and kind of drink. But I want my space to be open um, the venue, the community space be open when the shop isn't so that if people wanted to rent it out and use it for their own parties or events, that they could do that. Um, but when I'm there, um, we'll have regular tastings. We'll have chefs come up to do pop-up kind of pairings. Um, it'll be a classroom when we need it to be. It'll be, um, a beer workshop or a beer incubator for home brewers as well. So it kind of should cover, in my opinion, the full spectrum of beer lovers under one roof. And again, I think customer service is the best way to do that, to make folks feel comfortable, 
to get people off their guards. Um, and then for the folks like us who may not need a class or may not need um, as much help buying beer, the beer selection alone should take care of you. So I hope it would be something for That's everyone. Awesome. Now, yeah. when, when is this happening? Because I need this right I now. Need, right? Don't this is we such need a this? great this idea. something we need right now. My goal um, is to be funded by um, the summer. And um, I'm doing a Kickstarter campaign to kind of kick that off. Um, nice. But to then uh, secure a loan and to have uh, a space secured by mid to late fall and to be open by the top of 2019. Yeah. Well, let us, awesome. let us know the, the links and everything Absolutely. so we can let everybody know. I certainly know. will. Yeah, y'all will be at the grand opening. Yes, Yay. we will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even if we're not invited, we're just showing oh, no, up. Just come on. It's going to be a party. Guaranteed. Yay. So yeah. do, you wanna, do you wanna do the fun questions now? Yes, we have fun rapid fire Yay. questions. I like it. Okay. Um so the first one we already kind of went over. Mm-hmm. Um okay, what advice would you give your younger self when you first got involved in beer? Ooh. The younger <laughs> or the younger, younger? Um, <laughs> um I would tell myself that honey brown is not a fancy beer. <laughs> <laughs> And just because you can only afford Ice House, it doesn't make you a bad person. But, <laughs> that's all I could get at, in Tallahassee at however old I was trying, trying to drink some beer. But yeah. So what is the coolest or most fun thing that's happened since you've started on this like beer journey, meeting people and going places? Man, this kind of thing, like connecting. So I love connecting with people. Um, so I have a, a nine to five, believe it or not. And it's a Monday through Thursday job. I'm a... A city planner, but I get to oh, do, wow. yeah, we do lots of civic engagement where I work. And I, it's my favorite part of the job is just engaging with people about whatever. And this beer just happens to be the thing that I love to talk about, but connecting with folks and then with social media, kind of connecting there and then seeing people in person and meeting folks like at events or at a pub or so. It's just so much fun to me to kind of, uh, connect the dots and really just connect on something like beer. Like I said earlier, it's everybody's drink and, and there's no um, rhyme or reason to why, you know, one person may like a beer, another person likes a different kind of beer. But I think what what brings you together is the beer. And it's just awesome to connect, I think, with people over it. Um, If you could have a beer with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and what beer do you think they'd like? I want to drink with Oprah Winfrey. So ah, I love her. Bad. Sorry for screaming at you. <laughs> I want to drink with her. Oh my gosh. I want to drink with her. And I think I know. Jen Price. Right? That's why Oprah With the amazing beer. <laughs> you're going to hear. You're going to hear. This is my favorite beer of the month. You get a sour. You Man, get a Saison. Her, okay, there's two people. Can I name another person? Yes, of yes, course. Please. So Drew Barrymore is my best friend in my head. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. she's so wonderful. She's I just my saw best 51st friend in my States head. again the other day. She's oh my amazing. Gosh. She's great. I just think she'd be the best person to have beer with. But going back to Oprah, um, and what kind of beer? I think Oprah would actually really like a stout. Ooh, yeah, I can I think see that, like an like oatmeal stout. stout or like yeah. something chocolatey. Or, yeah, stouts yeah. are known to be like lower in sugar than most beer styles. Um, I don't know if she's on that Weight Watchers thing, so I maybe could sell her on that. Yeah. But it's probably the healthiest of the beers that you could have. Um, but yeah, Oprah and chocolate stout, if somebody could make that happen, I'd be forever indebted if any of our listeners know oprah yeah do that. i got the stout cover yeah do that and then maybe also give her our podcast too just to you know promote it <laughs> hey we'll be on the own podcasting network right. neither of us are black but we it's can. all good <laughs> we can make it happen yeah. so what advice would you give women who are getting into beer i mean you've already given so much as in yeah. terms of like information and 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 
knowledge, but just of like they're they're nervous because of the environment or they're nervous mm-hmm. of the reaction or the people. What what advice would you give to them? Yeah, that, first of all, just don't be. You know, don't be nervous. I, like I said, beer people are some of the nicest folks you meet. Any pub in Atlanta would love to just. You know, I, I don't know any pub tender or bartender who wouldn't want to talk to you about the beers they have on tap. They could talk to you until you're until they're blue in the face or you are, too. But um, I'd say, you know, just get out there and just start trying stuff. Take notes. Um, when I first started really getting into beer, I had a beer journal. And that's why I put one in this book, because it having a journal with me as I went through um just tasting different styles was so helpful. Um, I'd say just write down the stuff you like, write down the stuff you don't like. And with every beer, even if you don't like the taste, there are things you can appreciate about it. So it may just be the aroma and that's Mm -hmm. cool. Like don't feel bad about, about buying a beer and and hating it. It's it's all good. Nobody's going to get mad at you for doing that. (laughs) Nobody's going to be upset with you, but yeah, that's why I'd say just get out there and try and, and take, good notes about the stuff you like and stuff you don't. All right. Next question. What is your guilty pleasure TV? Mm. <laughs> Can I say this? Sure. Out loud. Okay. So I like, no I like, <laughs> I like the real housewives. Yes. Series. Any one of them. Yes. I will watch anyone if they're <laughs> on. It doesn't matter where they're from. Potomac happens to be my favorite for some reason. Oh, I haven't seen that one. That's the yeah. only one I haven't seen yet, but I've heard it's really good. It's good. I don't even know if it's coming back because I haven't heard anything about it, Aww. but I love that. And it's other show called Married to Medicine. So Bravo. I love Married to Medicine. Right? Oh my gosh. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Bravo has like the best guilty pleasure TV. It's um, yeah. It's yeah. so terrible and wonderful at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's all so good great. though. Yeah. I mean, when you, sometimes you need stuff to not think about. And yeah. Those shows don't make you think. Yeah. So. <laughs> and and uh, a good last question we always love asking is what color do you think you look best in? Yeah. Pink. Yes. I don't have any on today, but pink makes my skin pop. Yeah. It looks really good. Let me pink see. Do I so have good. a pink page in here? I may, but pink makes my you skin look amazing. Yeah, you've got this pink page. Is it the rule number two? Pink? Yeah. It should be really bright. Yeah. I, I like more of a magenta. Yeah. Or more of a, right? Yeah. I wish I could see me. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it picks up. Not a lot the, of people can color, like, uh, cover, like um, pull that off. Yeah, really I got good. it. I got it down. I could do paint. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love those questions. Those are great. Thanks. Yeah. And thank you so much for doing this. This has been in, invaluable. It's so much fun. And so I'm sure amazing. everyone who listens is going to appreciate I hope so. this kicking the whole thing off and, and being able to follow along with the rest of the episodes and not be lost because yeah. you've given them such a great foundation Good. to go by and speaking of go by even though it's a different spelling of the word you should absolutely go and get jen's book the chick's guide to beer (laughs) because it's it's very good it's It's fantastic it will stay on my shelf forever yes it's broken down in such an easy to follow way it's not just a wall of text if you have a specific thing you're trying to remember you know exactly what page to flip to the beer journal in the back is invaluable to keep on you and remember what you like because there are so many beers you can forget what you've had and what specifically you thought mm-hmm. about it. And that's a great way to keep that in, in your head. You, it just, it's fantastic. We've loved meeting you and we're so glad to have you as a friend. Well, thank you for Yay! having me guys. It's a yeah. lot of fun. I appreciate you having me awesome. and best of luck. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You too. Cheers. We're excited to come to your store opening. Yay. You'll be there for sure. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you couldn't tell from all of our gushing, we highly recommend checking out Jen's book and having it as a guide to come back to when those inevitable beer questions crop up. Don't worry, the link on where to get it is in the description box and our website. (laughs) Keep up with everything Jen's doing on Instagram at the Chick's Guide to Beer and 
at ATL Beer Boutique. It would mean so much to us if you guys could rate and review us on iTunes. The algorithm loves reviews, and it'll help us get seen by other inquiring, imbibing minds. Please. (laughs) We'll be back in two weeks with another bearded, get it? She has a beard, bearded, (laughs) lady, and we hope you'll join us. Cheers! Cheers!